This is the Physical Activity Researcher Podcast, a podcast for researchers of sedentary behavior, physical activity, and sports. Join for a relaxed dialogue about research design, practicalities, and, well, anything related to research. Learn from your fellow researchers useful and relevant information that does not fit into formal content and limited space of scientific publications. And here is your host, researcher and entrepreneur, Ollie Tikkanen. Hi there, and welcome back to the second part of our episode on craftsmanship in sport. Today, I'm the host of the session, and Nora, who is normally hosting the Meaningful Sport series, is the guest. Craftsmanship is our third interest, and Nora was leading a paper we co-authored on craftsmanship and meaning in sport with our colleagues Richard Tähtinen, Michael McDougall, and Niels Federson last year. As usual, it will be a good idea to listen to the first part of our discussion before this one, where we discussed theories of craftsmanship and especially the works of Mills and Sennett. Today we are focusing more on sports and looking in the previous studies on craftsmanship in sport and movement culture contexts as well as talking through the findings in our own study. I hope you enjoy today's episode. And and if we if we go more to sport, what do we actually know about the craftsmanship in sport and and movement cultures more broadly? So yeah, we don't really have an extensive body of literature on craftsmanship and sport. So there is a lot more literature in other areas of life. So we talked earlier about Senate and Mills and and there are some empirical studies in other fields as well. And so when we were starting to explore this concept in, in a sport and movement culture context, there are two studies that are really quite uh, central for for us to be building upon. And the first one is the work from Sine Höber Larsen, which is on parkour craftsmen. And the paper is published in Sport Ethics and Philosophy in 2016. And the title of her work was What Can the Parkour Craftsman Tell Us About Bodily Expertise and Skilled Movement? So key interest on in the paper was not really the meaning concept, but it was more about the skills, skills development concept. So how can we think about learning movement skills in this kind of um lifestyle sports such as parkour and yeah i have to say that um, senior she's agreed to be talking about that really fascinating work she has been doing in parkour in the podcast so hopefully we will have that soon out in the next few weeks we have a time agreed already so hopefully that will come through and so basically in her work she's looking at how can we use the theory of Senate and the ideas from from the book The Craftsman to understand what is going on in, in parkour? And and she's really looking at how the parkour craftsmen, as she's calling them, are constantly going to find new problems, setting new problems for themselves, and then finding a way to solve those problems before they find like a new context or a new challenge to be tackled. And so, yeah, I find it quite fascinating. One of the things she's pointing out is that craftsmanship is not an elitist concept. 
So it's not really about having this exceptional innate skill. So it's a lot more about this engagement uh, with the practice, having this long-term engagement and a certain type of relationship with movement. So if we thought of like developing sporting expertise or sporting talent, that's maybe a little bit different perspective. And and anyone can be a craftsman, so you don't need to be an elite athlete as well. So basically practicing our sport in whatever level, we can be craftsmen, even if we don't become elite athletes. And I think maybe one thing that is also relevant to these discussions that we've had in the podcast so far is that in seniors' analysis, she's saying that this uh, learning and skill development in, in parkour is really like this constant cycle between ease and exertion. So it means that we have some times when things are really going well. We might have this flow experience. But then, in order for us to develop, we have to be setting our, ourselves to like a more difficult challenge. And that means that we are not in flow. We might encounter like severe frustrations. We can have difficulties. We have to be perhaps even fighting with ourselves. Are we going to give up or are we going to find a way to work through it? And so there is this constant tension. Um, or kind of a cycle of figuring out how you do it. And then when you have figured it out, then you set yourself up for a higher challenge that you cannot do it. So that kind of negative experience is part of that as well. And so I think that is something maybe important and quite interesting to work out. Because like um, if you look at the second important paper that I'll talk about in a second, uh, that's the work by Torlinson and colleagues in Iceland, and, and they are theorizing that flow is part of craftsmanship. But we can ask, is flow always part of craftsmanship? There might be moments of flow, and there might be moments when we are not in flow. And that probably requires a different type of maybe mentality, maybe uh, some kind of coping skills, maybe some kind of attitude, how how we overcome these moments of challenge that are really necessary part of developing our our skill and our expertise in sport or in in whatever uh, we are trying to do. So nothing is always easy if we are trying for striving for this higher level of skill and expertise. And yes then to move on to that other study that I already started talking about and that was really something that gave the foundation for our work because they introduced the craftsmanship scale. Uh, so it's the study by Torlinson, Haldorsen and Sigfusdotter from, from Iceland and their research was published in Sociological Research Online. Uh, the paper was titled The Sociological Theory of Craftsmanship an empirical test in sport and education. And basically the major contribution of that paper was developing that scale, quantitative scale. So as they have observed, most of the work, uh, empirical work on craftsmanship has been previously quantitative. 
uh, sorry, so the work has been qualitative and to allow us to expand our understanding and ways of studying craftsmanship, uh, that quantitative scale could be something that is very useful as well. And to do that, so they first look at the different components of craftsmanship theories, the qualitative work we have out there, and then they start pooling it together and starting to look at what are the components of craftsmanship that we can uh, operationalize for our, our for their quantitative measure of craftsmanship. So what they end up is with a survey which has eight items. And so those items, they represent um, first variables one and two. They said they were informal learning and tacit knowledge. Then they have two items, intrinsic motivation and flow, which I already mentioned. Then they have two items for holistic understanding. And then finally, they have two uh, items that represent practice and honing of skills. So as we see, these items are really trying to cover a lot of ground. And, and so just to give like a couple of examples. Uh, so for example, item one is I try to understand how things work. And, and so that's about the informal learning and tacit knowledge. And um, then, for example, I see in my mind how I can finish my task. And so that would represent holistic understanding. And so what we discussed sometime that maybe something that wasn't captured, I don't really know how that would be captured, is that maybe more cultural element of craftsmanship. So it would be as, for example, in Senate's book, that uh, craftsmanship is something that is happening in these um, cultures or workshops of craftsmanship, which have like this more, maybe you have like a master and apprentice relationships and so forth. So one possible <laughs> critique is that maybe this instrument could be more um, too individualistic. I don't know, that's something that... Uh, might require some further thought. For Collinson and the colleagues, the central idea is that craftsmanship is something that can reduce meaninglessness, or put it in a different way, craftsmanship is something that can make work or school or sport more meaningful. And they are setting up craftsmanship as this kind of critical theory that is a response to the increasing bureaucratic organization of educational institutions, for example, in the same way as, for example, Mills is talking about that, that as a consequence, it's possible that the learner or the worker is going to lose the ownership of their work. And so basically, so they were looking at uh, general meaninglessness, and then they were looking at school-specific meaninglessness. And so in their findings, um, as, as they have predicted, um, they suggested that craftsmanship reduces this general sense of meaninglessness, and that works also in the school context. So we found that this was like a really good platform for us to start developing in our, our ideas, and there were also some gaps that they didn't look into. So for example, their study was focused on adolescent participants, whereas in our, our work we had adult athletes of various ages and, and various sports 
So that provided us a platform and especially it was important that they provided the tool. And then when we started discussing this and uh, we started thinking about craftsmanship in sport and how can it look like and we all had like different experiences in different sports and we were talking about whether there's a difference, whether you're an ice hockey player or you are, maybe you are a runner, an individual sport athlete, or maybe you are a martial artist. So, I mean, we obviously often talked about martial arts, the two of us um, having that experience. And I think it's so interesting having practiced martial arts in in quite a few different gyms. I think it was quite, also before getting into this work, it was quite easy to see that there were so different cultures in different martial arts gyms. So I would say that perhaps in some martial arts gyms where we were training, that it was maybe easy to see that there wasn't a craftsmanship culture in place. So, for example, as long as the instructor was not there, People didn't really practice by themselves, so it would be more that people are sitting on the side. And then, you know, when the teacher starts, when when the instructor comes in and when things start to happen, then people would do that for the time of the lesson. Uh, it would be quite structured. You would do five minutes of this and five minutes of that. And then you move on to the next thing. And so... Unfortunately, I would say that in some of the gyms, uh, martial arts gyms or Thai boxing is the most specific thing I'm talking about. And yeah, in my experience, there isn't always like a lot of craftsmanship going on there. And actually quite, quite often in many gyms, I have ended up training by myself because if, if there's coach all the time, like changing what we do, I don't have time to practice. So actually when I'm doing it alone, I have time to practice. I have time to feel my body and trying to learn that how does it need to be feeling and really repeating and trying to find the way that I get kind of this aha moment that all right, now I figure it out. But when, if the coach is, if you coach too much or if you teach too much, you don't have time for learning. So I think you need to have the piece of taking the time and actually learning so I think many times coaches are kind of coaching too much and not not leaving space for for actual learning yeah I mean I agree with you that there is also the danger of coaching too much and leaving too little time for this more creative and athlete-led problem setting and problem solving but now that especially during this time of covid I think for many sport participants, things have actually changed because now you cannot be training in your group and you have to be maybe doing a lot of things independently as quite different um, situation from what it used to be before when all the coach-led sessions were <laughs> available for, for athletes. And we also talked about that with Mark Nesty, that maybe for athletes, this could be an opportunity to practice to cultivate craftsmanship so of course the covid situation has brought like so many negative influences to many sport participants teams have been dissolved many people have to stop doing sport 
amateur competitions have been put off and all those kind of things. But if we try to see something positive from this or what kind of opportunities have been brought by these limitations. So maybe there is some added possibility for cultivating craftsmanship. So if we are training alone, without the coach, without our teammates, with nobody telling us what exactly you should be practicing today and how you should be practicing that, maybe it does give us some possibilities for being more creative and taking more ownership over our own development and our own learning. So it can help us to, you know, pick up those things that we think that we are maybe not so good at and we can focus our efforts on on learning those specific things and we are not so tied to the schedules of the whole team or group or so forth. So, I mean, if if we can find something that is really uh, an opportunity and not only a limitation, then maybe it is cultivating our craftsmanship qualities. Yeah, so that was interesting points related to craftsmanship. And we did this paper with Niels, Richard and, and Michael. Would you like to tell shortly about the findings of this study? So yeah, to <laughs> recap, what, what were some of the things that we were really interested in when we were doing this study with Michael, Richard, Niels and, and you? And so, so we were quite interested in understanding what is the relationship between craftsmanship and and meaningfulness in sport. And as we were playing out with these ideas and, and looking into what has been already done, we thought that also if we can say anything at all about what are the different demographic variables that might be related to craftsmanship, that will maybe give us some like thoughts that can guide some future work in this area and so yeah we we first just look at the correlations between the demographic variables and craftsmanship and and the total uh, score that was uh, in the work and meaning inventory that we modified for sport uh, so when when the questions were some about career we would add athletic career or when it was about work we would just modify that to sport and I think at this point I'll just say that if anyone is interested in doing uh, quantitative work on sport and meaning they should certainly consult uh, Matteo Luceri's work because he has done a validated uh, scale for assessing meaning in sport so that's a better solution than what we did when we didn't have a validated instrument uh, available for us. But so with our our findings, so first what we saw was that older age and and competing in individual sport, so as opposed to team sport, was correlated with higher craftsmanship scores. And that gives us like some initial ideas about who could be the craftsman in sport. And then after Looking at these correlations, the second step was to explore the dimensions of the work and meaning inventory. So they have three three factors, the positive meaning scale, meaning making through work, or in our case, meaning making through sport, and then finally greater good motivations. So interestingly, when 
looking at the first scale, the positive meaning scale, we could see that possessing a higher craftsmanship as well as identifying with the religion were predictors of, of that factor. But then, on the other hand, only the craftsmanship score was something that predicted the meaning making through uh, sport subscale. So meaning making through work, but in our case, meaning making through sport. And so finally, uh, the last part was this um, greater good motivations. And there we saw that religion was a predictor for that, whereas craftsmanship is not. So it seems quite interesting that athletes, sport participants who identified with religion, they had this dimension that somehow their sport can contribute to some higher good or some social good. And like in my qualitative studies, I've sometimes when I've talked to religious athletes, some of them have talked about their desire to use sport as a kind of a way to do something good in the world. So maybe a little bit like athlete activism, which is another strand of research. But so, for example, I talked to a Christian judoka in in one of my previous studies, and, and he thought of sport as a way of also like spreading the Christian mission, which is not um, something unheard of. So we also working with... Um, religious studies scholar Teemo Pauha with on a paper on Christian MMA and and that seems to be also something that is coming through in that study as well. So perhaps with religious athletes there seems to be more of this desire to do something good through sport. Whereas that craftsmanship approach was more about developing yourself. Maybe you can talk about developing self-knowledge, developing your skill. But so there wasn't any like really obvious way that uh, craftsmanship would be something that makes the world and the society better in in the bigger picture. Although of of course it can, but maybe it wasn't something that that uh, clearly came through in our study. Mm. And and one question about in Thorlinson's study, they were looking the correlation between craftsmanship and meaninglessness and in our study we were looking craftsmanship and meaningfulness could you could you elaborate a little bit on what's the difference between looking meaninglessness and meaningfulness are they just kind of different sides or kind of opposite of each other or are they different yeah that's a really interesting question so yeah just to clarify with Torlinson's study they looked at the general meaninglessness so like a more broader life whether my life feels meaningless or not um, and then they were looking at the school specific meaning meaninglessness so they had questions uh, like i find my studies meaningless whereas they didn't look at sport which was something that was then a contribution from us and then we were looking at that uh, affirmative, that positive, I find sport meaningful. And that opens like a really interesting discussion, like whether those are like completely opposite things. So if I find positive meaning, I find a lot of meaning in sport. Perhaps in, in some ways, I mean, in meaningful work literature, we see that in many ways that is a good thing for you. But 
if you don't experience a lot of meaning in sports, so maybe it's kind of neutral, or maybe you can even say that it's not like extremely, it's not meaningful, maybe meaningless. Of course, it's a little bit strange to think of somebody doing sport voluntarily if it's a meaningless activity. But so the work in, in general psychology suggests that we can have domain-specific meanings and those different meanings can actually compensate for one another. So if I have a very meaningful job, then maybe some other domain of my life doesn't have to be very meaningful, that I can still consider overall that my life is meaningful. Or, yeah, maybe... More often you would say that people don't find a lot of meaning in their work. But then, for example, their leisure activities, here we can come to sport. Maybe that can be something that is experienced as very meaningful. And I think another really interesting question is also that if we don't find sport very meaningful, if if we don't think about that, maybe it's not the problem. And actually the work of Tatiana Schnell, like she, uh, she published this year, or was it last year, this book, Psychology of Meaning in Life, and there she's elaborating on what she has studied before, which is existential indifference. And that's an idea that some people are really not so bothered about meaning, but they wouldn't also experience this big psychological crisis, which is perhaps, I mean, some existential thought would really centralized that search for meaning as like very fundamental for human beings. But perhaps like her empirical work also challenges a little bit that idea that perhaps not everybody is constantly looking for meaning. And that's something that we also need to really keep in mind when we are thinking about these things. And we can have something that is meaningless, which sounds very negative, and then we can have maybe some things in our lives that are not very meaningful, but they are not meaningless either. So maybe we don't attach that uh, like strong balance towards positive or negative at all. So those are just some thoughts on that. Yeah, so interesting. And there are, in relation to craftsmanship and sport and movement culture, there are basically just three studies quite preliminary but even then there's been link between between meaningfulness and and it seems to seems to be something you you think it's it's a good good questionnaire for example and the whole concept is is good so hopefully we will see more studies studies based on this i mean yeah absolutely and i think what is quite important that while I think it's a really promising approach to start thinking further and developing further, we really need to keep in mind that most likely there will be different uh, approaches that have potential for meaning. So for example, I was really inspired by uh, talking to Gunnar Breivik in this podcast and and reading his work where he's talking about this for fundamental relations in our sporting practices. So when he was talking about the I-me relation, maybe that is something that is uh, really uh, central to craftsmanship. So you are developing your own skills and expanding your own possibilities. Uh, 
but so on the other hand we have so many other dimensions to sport and and movement culture and maybe something that is not being addressed by the uh, craftsmanship concept is the way that we relate to our environment through our movement so the craftsmanship is a lot about that practicing person but so movement can also open up ways to explore the surroundings explore the nature also explore the city and um, it gives us uh, all those openings to maybe experience a connection with the place uh, maybe it opens up possibilities to experience connection with our uh, companions that we run with or who we are having a competition with and all these things so I think craftsmanship should never be thought of as this is the answer and this is the way that we should be starting to kind of organize everything that happens around sport but I think we really need to be thinking about the different directions and the ways that maybe meaning can be cultivated craftsmanship is one of them but I'm I'm pretty sure that there there are a lot of other ways to cultivate meaning in sport and so I'm just hoping that this will be one of the directions and as I mentioned earlier we are doing a little bit of further work with um, Michael Richard and, and Sine actually so we got to collaborate on on one quite interesting project so you will hear from us sometime it's moving very slowly but yeah at some point we hopefully have some some something new to say about this and just like I said it's one of those things that uh, made instant sense when I heard about that and it was easy to connect those ideas to some of my own experiences with movement and yeah looking forward to reading what other people who are smarter than I am do with craftsmanship and find new ways to think about that. Mm. Great so let's wrap it up thanks Nora for taking time for this this episode. Certainly my pleasure and yeah thank you so much for you to take time to do the interview i always enjoy talking about these topics thanks for joining us this week on physical activity researcher podcast if you like the show make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing or following the show on twitter this podcast is made possible by listeners like you thank you for your support If you found value in the show, we would really appreciate a rating on Apple Podcasts or whichever app you use. Or if you would, in a real old school way, simply tell a friend about the show. It would be a great help for us. We have a fantastic lineup of guests for forthcoming episodes, so be sure to tune in. Thank you all for your support and have a great day.